Is the Philippines ready for the typhoon season? Are we ready for the never-ending rain and the apocalyptic floods? This country is one of the most exposed to climate change physical risks, particularly floods and storms, according to a report released by Fitch Ratings in November 2021. At around the same time, the Department of Finance said that climate-related hazards have cost the country $10 billion in losses and damage over the past decade. $10 billion. In this B-side episode, Business World reporter Alyssa Nicole Otan speaks with Rick Holland, Senior Regional Sales Director for Asia-Pacific at Grunfoss. Grunfoss is the largest pump manufacturer in the world and it's based in Denmark. Let's listen to Alyssa and Rick as they talk about what can be done to address the Philippines' vulnerability to the climate crisis. We'll be talking about key solutions to mitigate the extreme weather events amid worsening climate change in the country. Thank you for joining us here today, Mr. Holland. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Alisa. Let's start. Why is Metro Manila, or any city within Metro Manila, so flood-prone in the first place? On a macro level, climate change is bringing more extreme, unpredictable, and frequent weather events. We're also seeing sea levels rise. For Manila specifically, a combination of low elevation above sea level rising sea levels, climate change events, and land subsidence all combine to make Manila particularly flood prone. How about if we go specifically to the system? How would you judge the current system being implemented by the government or other authorities to cope with the current situation? The uh, government in the Philippines for Metro Manila specifically has a a long-term flood management plan developed together with the World Bank. And it calls for a a multi-pronged strategy to address urban flooding, which is where we've been particularly involved. There's a plan to refurbish 36 existing flood pumping stations and make them more reliable, operational, and increase their capacity. And there's also a plan uh, well underway to build 20 new flood pumping stations. Considering that the Philippines is visited by an average of 20 typhoons a year, what do you think are the short-term and long-term methods that can be done to lessen, if not resolve, the issue of floods? Well, I think there's a number of things that uh, are related to that. I I think in the short term, flooding is also a result of simply the monsoon season as well as typhoons. And strategies that have the ability to retain the flood water for longer so we don't see so much flash flooding. And that requires expansion of dams. It also requires uh, highly efficient flood pumping stations that can quickly transfer the water away from where it's being collected to mitigate the flooding. And finally, I think one thing that's important is, particularly in Minetro, Manila, we end up with quite a lot of trash in the waterways from various causes. And what this does is it tends to clog up the canals and block up the pump stations sometimes. Uh, So that does have an impact on how to handle current floodwaters. I think in the longer term, the community and certainly the government will need to look at how it develops the expansion and growth or the redevelopment of parts of Metro Manila. There's no question that the more concrete we have and the less natural drainage facilities we have, the more runoff we have to cope from these extreme events. So I think development planning and infrastructure planning longer term will form a key part of the strategies to reduce flooding. 
what do you think about the possibility of collaborating with the private sector? The government is already collaborating with the private sector quite a lot. I lived and worked in the Philippines for eight years and saw the birth and the implementation of the Metro flood plan. And I saw many uh, consulting companies, experts, other agencies like the World Bank and experts around the world work together with the Manila or the federal government to provide guidance and some design on how best to mitigate this. So I think there has been relatively good collaboration on that. And even on the ground, executing the plan for flood mitigation, the company I work for has a lot of experience in Southeast Asia in flood control. There's other companies that have expertise and experience, particularly with flood mitigation around the world, that are bringing that to Manila and using the right technologies and the right approaches. One thing I think worth mentioning, though, is something that is a real challenge about flood is each community and little micro area within Manila. For example, some of the low-lying areas close to Manila Bay and to the sea will need solutions that can handle seawater type applications and still run reliably. In some areas where there's a lot of informal settlements, in our design considerations and support to the design of this flood infrastructure, we'll work with technology partners that are very, very strong in very high volume of uh, trash removal because it's critical to address that situation before you can put in uh, high-powered pumps to drain the water. So now going directly to Grimfoss, what solutions have Grimfoss implemented in any area in the Philippines? We've participated in many of the refurbishment of the flood station projects and the construction of the new projects. And we're typically helping, because of our experience, design the pump stations, and then we're bringing our pump technologies and our experience and partners in other parts of the flood system to help with that. The other thing we've been focusing on in the Philippines as well is typically outside of Manila in the rural areas after a major typhoon or flood event, we often see people having difficulty having access to clean water because in these areas, a lot of the water comes from groundwater supply and after you have a typhoon, the groundwater is often contaminated. So we work with a range of partners such as World Vision, where with their expertise and uh, resources and our technologies and products, we're able to come quite quickly in after an event like that and specifically focus on putting in portable treatment systems that can treat contaminated groundwater to try and restore a drinkable water supply to people in the aftermath of typhoons. And we've done that in a, following a number of major typhoon events in the Philippines. Are there any specific circumstances, variables that need to be kept in mind when implementing these solutions? Yeah, there's no question. You cannot just take a one approach to everything. I think it's really important that you look at the community where the flood events has either impacted or if you're looking at putting permanent flood mitigation infrastructure in that you really look at the community and the unique things that present in that community, be it geography, be it socioeconomic status, be it density and those types of things. Because the solution to be a, a long-term successful solution really needs to be tailored to suit that community's needs. 
And we've seen a number of cases where engaging with the local community on solid waste management programs through local barangays has made a huge difference to the amount of solid waste going into some of the waterways. In some cases, it's even been best to relocate some communities that in extremely vulnerable areas that are going to be repeated flooding no matter what you do. And then in other areas, it might be the type of materials you use, the type of technology you use to meet the combination of environmental water conditions, volume and size of the trash that you'll handle, and where you're pumping the water to. All of these things require a degree of consideration to tailor the solution for the best outcome in a particular community. What makes the flood mitigation solution being used by Grunfoss unique from all the others? So I think one of the things we've really focused on is making our projects extremely robust and easy for the local operators to maintain. So we don't see a project that has a nice photo and ribbon cutting next to it. And then a year later, it's uh, not really functioning so well. We really focus on solutions that are going to last for many, many years into the future. And I'm proud to say that so far that's been the case. The other thing we really focus on is, apart from the cost of buying all the equipment to make a flood station, they're actually quite expensive to operate. Water is extremely heavy and it takes a lot of energy to move it. So either if they're diesel operated products, it takes a lot of fuel to run them or the more modern electrical pumps can consume quite a lot of energy. So Grunfoss really focuses on making sure that we have highly energy efficient pumps. And to give you an example, in many of the projects, we were able to increase the capacity of the pump station by a minimum of 20% increasing capacity while maintaining exactly the same energy consumption that it had today. So that means that they're getting the most amount of floodwater transported for the minimum amount of ongoing costs. So how do the methods implemented by Grinfoss work on their own and in tandem with other existing flood prevention strategies? While the the systems we build within the, the flood station infrastructure are designed to operate independently, their impact on the community of how successful that will all be in improving the severity or preventing flood in that particular community is really tied to many things operating in tandem. I think the communities, all the waterways, the canals and the rivers that drain the flood water into pumping stations have to be clean and free-flowing to enable the pump station to operate. I also think the development that happens in that community will either assist runoff and flood mitigation or could make it worse. So I think any uh, solution we provide, and one of the big challenges for flood infrastructure projects, is there are always many factors that will determine the success of a project, and they really all need to work in tandem together to be successful. Okay, so last but not the least, what are the effects of climate change to the weather events in the country, and how does this impact the need for better solutions? We saved it to last, but probably the most important question. As we mentioned, climate change is bringing more extreme rainfall and rising sea levels. And these directly impact on the severity and the frequency of flooding and also inundation from the sea 
for low level communities, especially that we see close to the bay and the water areas in Manila. It seems these days we often hear from various news reports around the world, much more regularly, of records being broken all the time for extreme climate events. Whether it's record temperatures, record rainfall, record blizzards, fires, droughts, typhoons, we see the events becoming more extreme. Indeed, in the Philippines, five of the deadliest typhoons record have all occurred since 2006. There's no question the impact from climate change is getting worse. We spent most of our time so far talking about building systems to help us be more resilient and to try and mitigate the impact of climate change. I think there's no doubt that the science supports if we don't take action to reduce the degree that climate change is going to happen, then it may well end up in a situation where it's not possible to be resilient or possible to mitigate the impacts as they become more severe. So I think we see climate change having a direct impact on the level and severity of flooding and simply mitigating it is not a long-term successful strategy by itself. There's no doubt we have to reduce the impacts and severity of climate change itself. So that means we need to stop the earth warming up so much. That means we have to all reduce our carbon footprint. One of the ways Grunfoss has been working with that and trying to support others to do that, both in our own operations and through the products and services that we provide, is in our own operations, we have very, very strong targets to reduce our energy consumption each year, reduce the amount of water we consume in making our products. And the products and technologies we supply to our, our customers and certainly into the Manila flood project infrastructure takes less energy to operate and has been made in a sustainable way. The other really critical thing about climate change is not only from a flood perspective, but it also makes an already dire situation where today more than 2 billion people don't have access to clean drinking water globally. Severe climate events, droughts and other things only make that situation worse. The UN has set some goals around having targets for people to access clean drinking water and Grunfoss has been working on developing and we certainly have a range of products and technologies that we contribute to improving access to clean drinking water both through our own efforts and especially through our efforts with partnership. To give you an example of that we in 2020 reached a milestone with our partner World Vision where together we've managed to provide access to clean drinking water for more than two million people in the globe that never used to have access to drinking water. To summarise, we both need to take action to mitigate and be resilient to the impacts, but it will not be enough itself. We will really need to take action on helping all parties globally to actually reduce carbon footprints and reduce the severity of climate change. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Alyssa Nicole Otan speaking with Rick Holland, Senior Regional Sales Director for Asia Pacific at Grunfoss. A few takeaways from this episode. There is no one-size-fits-all solution for flooding, and flooding itself is just going to get worse as the weather becomes more extreme because of climate change. And for vulnerable countries like the Philippines, the stakes are so much higher. Climate change is real. The science backs it up. 
Rising global temperature means more rain and more rain means more flooding. So what can we do? Well, we have to reduce our carbon footprint. For you, the individual listening to this, that might mean recycling or just consuming less. This episode was recorded remotely in February 2022. It was produced by Earl R. Lagundino, Gino Di Nicolas, and me, Sam L. Marcello. Thanks for listening.